I began this new venture, which was uh, totally, totally uh, unexpected for me, which was like to come and live in a tiny village in Sardinia. Welcome to Italy Inside Out. I'm your host, Andrea Aldrich. guest today is Paola Massana. Paola has had a fascinating career as a journalist living and working in large cities such as Rome, Paris, Moscow, and New York. After retirement, she found her way to the small village of Cugliari in Sardinia, where her lifestyle changed dramatically. This is where I met her when booking her B&B for the tour group I took to Sardinia a couple of years ago. She is a member of a multinational community living in this small village on the west coast of Sardinia, and I'm so happy to talk with her today. Welcome, Paola. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. It's so good to see you again. It's been, I don't know, maybe oh, three been, years. Since. Oh, yeah. It's been a long time. It's been a long yeah. time. Mm-hmm. So will you tell me a little bit about your heritage? And I think I know that you have Italian and French. Is that correct in your background? Uh, Actually, I have uh, Italian and Russian. The fact is that I um, grew up in Tunisia. So I went to French school from kindergarten to uh, baccalaureate, which is the equivalent of A-levels. And so when I finished baccalaureate, I went to Paris and, uh, because my main language was French language. So I graduated from political science and, uh, and law in Paris. And of course, as you know, it's the place where you study that uh, brings you, at least at that time, brings you to find a job. And I found a job when I was 27 as a reporter in Agence France Presse, which is uh, one of the four main uh, wire agencies in the world with AP, Reuters, and uh, one of the three, actually. And so I began working for them, and uh, I was based in Paris all my life, although I did not work for a long time from Paris, because I worked for four years in Paris, and then practically all my life I was an expatriate for Agence France Presse. In, in Russia? I was first, as a young correspondent, uh, I was um, in Rome uh, when I was 30 years old. Then I came back to Paris for a few months. Then I was posted to Moscow uh, from 1989, so the fall of the Berlin Wall, so very important years. And uh, I stayed there for a very long time, until 2005, because I first became the bureau chief for Agence France Presse during all the years of the fall of Soviet Union and the first Chechnya war. And, and then in 1998, because I wanted to stay in Russia, so after eight years of journalism uh, in Moscow, I became a general manager for... Uh, glossy magazines, Ashed Filipaki Media, who were publishing at that time in, in Russia, the glosses like Elle, Elle Décoration, the movie magazine Première, 
uh, and other other few magazines, you know, they, they publish them in different languages. And I was responsible for the development in uh, Russia first, and then in the Baltics and in Ukraine. I, I had that job for five years. And then for many reasons, I wanted to go back to journalism. And I had the opportunity uh, to go back to Agence France Presse, strange enough. Uh, because the general director proposed me to become to manage the um, worldwide photo service, which is very fam- famous. You know, Agence France Presse has very good photo reporters. And for two years, I was there back in Paris. And then I went to New York and I finished my career as a bureau chief in New York. And I finished it rather young, I would say, because when I came back from New York, I was not proposed something interesting and I hate not doing interesting things. So there was a possibility to quit, you know, and to leave my job to a younger journalist. Um, so I did it. And, uh, and I, I began this new venture, which was uh, totally, totally uh, unexpected for me, which was like to come and live in a tiny village in Sardinia, where all my life I could not live in a city which was less than five million inhabitants and better 10 than five. Wow, that's really interesting. Well, I definitely want to hear more about um, your adventure and how you arrived in Cugliari. But would you tell me, so is it your father or your mother who is Italian? My father, uh, my name is Messana, so my father was um, Italian, uh, exactly half Uh, His mother was from northern Italy and his father was from Sicily. And his father, his grandfather, made a fortune in Libya with 3,000 hectares of uh, olive trees. So, you know, in the end, I end up having olive trees again. Of course, not the same amount, but uh, I grew up in Tunisia and my father was going every month to Libya, which was uh, nearly 1,000 kilometers from Tunis to supervise this huge property, which was a family-owned property. And it was the biggest olive farm in, uh, in Libya at that time. And then in 1967, when Colonel Gaddafi took power, took over power, uh, my father was ruined because he took everything from us. And, uh, and he uh, had decided a little bit before to buy a small vineyard. Uh, in my family, um, grandfather, from the, fami- the father's side, they are all in agriculture. Vineyards and olive groves. On my mother's side, it's much more complicated and mysterious because uh, I know little about it. Um, my grandfather ran, uh, flew Russia in 1920 Um, because of the revolution, he was a very rich entrepreneur in uh, tobacco. He had tobacco fields. He was working with Davidoff in Switzerland. He was the provider of champagne for the Tsar. And uh, he was very rich. He escaped with uh, uh, a woman who was much younger than him, who was pregnant and uh, who was not his wife. She was uh, his lover. And so she gave birth to my aunt in Constantinople, 
and then to my mother in Paris. And after, after a few years of, because he was a gambler, so he lost everything in casinos. And uh, so he was totally ruined. And he heard about a community of Russians who was living in Tunisia, which was at that time a French protectorate. And so he thought that maybe if there was a small Russian community, he could find work. So he arrived in 1930, I think. Yeah, because my mother was born in 1922, my aunt in 1920, and they arrived in Tunisia. My mom was eight years old. And, um, but very soon all ended tragically because uh, he, as a gambler, he died uh, in Algeria. Anyway, let's forget about that. My uh, grandmother, she died at 40 from tuberculosis. So my mother and my aunt, they were orphans very young. My mother was 15 years old and my aunt was 17. Uh, but my mother was very, very, very pretty. I would say more than pretty, beautiful. And uh, a young man, four years older than her, my dad, fell in love with her and he was the richest boy in Tunisia because he had the, you know, his family had the olive groves in Libya and blah, blah, blah. And so this is the be beginning of the fairy tale. <laughs> How neat. Huh, so fascinating. You have quite um, a varied background in um, places you've lived and places you've worked. So after you um, ended your journalistic um, profession or your professional pursuits, then how did you end up in this little town in Sardinia? Oh, I, I, I had bought a house in 2007 in Cullieri because I had met um, a woman architect in Paris and she told me about this uh, uh, half-abandoned village because, as you know, Kuleri had 7,000 inhabitants at the moment of the glory when the seminary was uh, uh, um, graduating so many priests every year, nearly 800. So it was a very rich town. And then after the seminary closed in 1970, the decline began and uh, little by little, the elder left, I mean, the young left the, the town because there was no job. They went to university or they went to, you know, to work as workers, or, but they left Kuliri to go to Cagliari, to go to Sassari, or, or to go abroad. As you know, there is a big Sardinian immigration. And little by little, they called their mothers to live with them because usually uh, men here die first and uh, there were lots of widows and the houses were very cold because the, the kitchen was upstairs and there was not proper heating because very often in the Mediterranean, there's not proper heating because it's supposed not to be very cold. So this is why there are so many houses on sale in the town. You know, there are, I think that there are 2,000 houses on sale. Um, most of them do not have a possibility to have a terrace with a view. And... Uh, uh, we have a beautiful view from Kuliri. I think it's one of the most beautiful views I've seen in my life. And I traveled a lot. And uh, I guess that 
Yeah, I mean, it's something that quiets you down and uh, uh, it's such a peace of mind when you see the view and you see the sunset because we are on the West Coast. So being on the West Coast, we have the sunset and uh, we have the starlings in the... It, it's, it's beautiful. It's something that uh, makes you think that uh, the only thing that you need in life is a view and your books. So... <laughs> So this is why uh, there are so many houses on sale. Those who find buyers who are most of the time foreigners, they have a view. The other ones, it's very difficult. And as it rains a lot in the winter, they fall apart little by little. Yeah. So it's a pity, but we have renovated more than... I think more than 100, maybe 120 houses in Kuliri, we the foreigners, I mean. Most of them are French, but there are some um, Germans, some uh, um, British, some Belgians. So it's rather mixed. And a couple of Americans. Yeah, yeah, and a couple of Americans. Yeah. So how did you find the house? So you had an architect friend that was helping you pick out a house to renovate in Kuliri? And why did you choose the one that you did? Um, the house that I choose was one of the most expensive. And the reason why it was one of the most expensive, it was because it was very big. It had this incredible terrace already existing because it's very difficult to get permissions to uh, make terraces if you don't have one from the beginning. And it had very little work to be done. So the architect, she helped me to find the house, but then I did not use an architect. I used a local um, uh, construction engineer who was in charge of all the technical parts, you know, because I, I did all the electricity, the plumbing and everything, but I did not change everything. It has the original tiles. It has the original terrace. It has... I just redid the roof. I redid what needed to be done. Of course, the bathrooms are new, but, uh, but it was possible to live in it from the very beginning. It was not a ruin. I did not buy a ruin. And I, I can speak from experience. It's a very charming place, and it's a bed and breakfast now. Is that correct? It is a bed and breakfast, or sometimes it can be also what they call in, in Italian affitta camere or casa vacanze. You mean you, you rent all the house to a family or you rent rooms to people who make their breakfast themselves. And I'm not necessarily here because I am more and more at the farm. Because in 2014, I wanted, I wanted to buy a little orchard and I ended up buying nearly four hectares of uh, an olive grove which has orange trees and lemon trees. And, uh, and now there is this little uh, building, which is still a tool deposit, but I am in the process of transforming it in my house because I want to move my residence here. Ah. I'm, living, I'm living in the country, fine. Yeah. And you, uh, there was a barn on the property that you had um, renovated yes. into your house, correct? Yeah, there are two barns. One is a barn and the other one is a pig pen. Now I'm beginning the pig pen. 
meaning you're going to have pigs? No. No, 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 no. I want to make a second house for oh, my kids okay. and friends. Okay. <laughs> Good. That makes more sense. Uh, and you're making olive oil from your olive trees? Yes, yes. I have 200 trees. And the olive here, the olive oil in this area is very, 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 very famous. It's just a Sardinian, unlike Tuscans or uh, Pugliese, or they don't know how to sell themselves. They are not good at marketing. They are not good at all at marketing themselves. So nobody knows about it. But uh, the olive oil is absolutely great. And I can attest to that also from experience because you gave me a, a container of delicious olive oil that I carried all the way home to America <laughs> and enjoyed it for a long time. And you have um, you have a lovely Mediterranean garden that you have developed there at your farm, right? Did you do that on your own or did you have help? No, the, the gardeners are very famous and they are famous... Uh, through Italy, because one of them is American, actually. His name is Leo Miniti. He has Italian origins, but he has graduated from um, uh, um, garden architecture. I don't know how you call that in English, from Chicago, from a university of architectural gardening. And the other one is Sardinian, and they make Mediterranean gardens uh, essentially for hotels or, you know, for big squares uh, sometimes. And uh, I, I really had that dream to have some plants that, uh, uh, you know, would remind me of the Tunisia of my childhood. And uh, we had a house in Hammamet and there were these all these cactuses. And so it's full of cactuses. I had some of the big, big, big stones that are at the end of the olive grove. It's very difficult to transport them, but I have them here as sculptures in the middle of the garden. It's a fantastic place for meditation. It's just amazing. And you have a view to the sea. You have a view to the sea from the garden. Of course, it's not by the sea because the sea is, uh, I don't know, maybe three miles from here. But you can see it. I can see it from my bedroom. I love, I love it here. I love it. And, and you know, it's a, it's a beautiful spot. Yeah, and you have all these birds. You know, in Sardinia we have these. Um, um, I, I now don't get the exact name. Like, uh, like. In, Are they the Swiss? Uh, no, no, the Swiss? no, 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 no. Uh, mm. Eagles. You know, the, the like in New York, oh. the uh, the red-tailed hawks. Yeah, we have uh -huh. lots of hawks here. Um, yes, two days ago, I was with friends having lunch here. We spent half an hour looking at one of them who was fighting against the wind. You know, you could see that it was fighting, fighting against the wind because it had seen, I don't know, a rat or something like that, that he wanted to, you know, to cut. Oh, I love that. I can stay hours watching them and I love it's that's neat yeah. yeah I love this kind of life for those for my listeners I wanted to tell them that you talked about your terrace that you have at, at your house in yeah. town and that you had you had created this wonderful dinner for my little group that I had staying at your bed yeah. and breakfast and we we're on the rooftop 
all enjoying ourselves and you were calling to your neighbors who are over on their <laughs> terraces and inviting them to join us. So we had quite a multi multicultural group by the end of the evening and it was I, so much I fun. think it was and your the view it from was your my farm. Russian friends, yeah. Because I, Yes. And then you had some yeah. French friends. And then you had us Americans. So it you know it was just a really good mix of people and it was yeah fun. and of and course this, the food was delicious oh thank you but you know this is what makes also the situation now uh i mean i hope it will end soon because the russians uh, a couple of friends of mine they have bought two houses here and they are making a huge renovation they cannot come they cannot fly the flight everything mm. is forbidden yeah they cannot leave russia it's kind of um because most of my my very close friends here, uh, they are Russians, yeah? The closest ones, they are Russians. I have uh, German close friends who, are, uh, who have bought a house in front of mine, but they cannot come either. Yeah, everything is closed, so... Well, we, we can't come from the U.S. We can't come know, to Italy. I know, so. I know, yeah. I know. So how are things there uh, having to do with the COVID pandemic? How are things in... Cool you know, Sardinia. Sardinia is not the worst area because uh, uh, the worst is north of Italy. But, uh, but you know, still they have closed. Um, they have closed now the region because of hospital facilities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The hospital facilities are very limited. So um, I don't know. You know, this is rather depressing. So... <laughs> Very. I have an appointment for my first vaccine on Friday. Oh, really? So it was a full-time job just trying to get an appointment. But um, so I, it's it's a bad state of affairs. But I I hope we get to the end of it by next fall. So yeah, I hope to. Um, I hope to. But you know, I I cannot rent the, the coming summer for Easter. There is no carnival. As you know, Carnival in Sardinia mm -hmm. is absolutely gorgeous yeah. with all these horse races, costumes, and the, the folklore in, in Sardinia is absolutely gorgeous and largely unknown yet. Yes, yes. Um, and so you make, your, you make olive oil yeah. and you stay at your farm. And I know that you mentioned to me one time that you had an idea for a novel that you're going to write. What has happened to that? Um, as you know, I wrote all my life, but I was writing uh, articles. But I uh -huh. also wrote a book, which was a documentary book, and which was published in France and in America which was a history of USSR through communal apartments. And I didn't uh, know that. I, I, I want to go back to writing. I want to go back to writing. I am making research on uh, my Sicilian family. I went to Palermo in September and I, I was in touch with scholars because I want to write the story of my family, of my Sicilian family. But, you know, I need to travel, I need to go to libraries, I need to, so, I, I, at the moment, I take patience. I saw the, so your Facebook postings yeah. when you were in Sicily, and I love Sicily also, it's, it's, it's an amazing place, as is, as is Sardinia, but in a different way. It's completely different, because Sicily, it's much mm -hmm. more 
sophisticated and the architecture in Sicily, mm-hmm. because Sardinia has beautiful landscape, but uh, uh, Sicily has absolutely gorgeous architecture and history in and Sicily. Art, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I love, I love yeah. Palermo. Yeah, I do too. Um, anything else you want to tell my listeners about uh, having to do with your life or um, what you're doing now? Anything? Um, you know, the, one, one of the things that uh, I often think about is um, uh, when you have been uh, a young, successful manager and blah, 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 getting old is uh, uh, rather difficult very often, yeah, because uh, uh, you have a different life, you don't have a social life, and, and I have uh, a response to that, the, Live in a farm because it's incredible. You cannot imagine the amount of people who are 40, 45 years old who ask me suggestions because they are thinking maybe when they are in their 50s, 55, especially since this COVID situation has exploded, there is more and more smart working, more and more, um, you know, people want to have clean food, not to drive all the time, not to, not to stay in traffic jams, not to spend a lot of money. Uh, I don't know, to practice. I, I, I don't practice yoga, but in a way, it is like if I was practicing yoga because I, the, the silence that surrounds me, it, it helps me a lot to, to be... I am always joyful. Today, I... I answered to, I don't take any drugs, for example, no, uh, what is it called? No pills, no, nothing for depression, nothing, uh, nothing. And I'm 68. I will be 69 in a few months. And I can tell you that uh, the fact that when I go shopping, uh, I stop by the sea and I take pictures of the waves and things like that. Uh, makes lots of people um, come to me and say, listen, uh, I have a young friend, she's 46, and she bought a house with her uh, new companion a few months ago here. And they are thinking more and more of changing their way of life. Yeah. Well, uh, I would love to be able to um, have a lifestyle as you have now. I'd love to be able to live in Sardinia. Um, that's probably not in my future, but I certainly can visit there. And I w- would you tell me a little bit about you, when you produce your olive oil, you take it to Paris every year. Is that right? Do I have that right? Yes, I have taken it to Paris every year because I have lots of friends, of course, uh, you know, having worked all my life and having studied in university, all my university friends, they, they are in Paris and they organize private sales for me. So I, I bring my oil and, uh, and, and we do, I have jams, I have chutneys, I make limoncello. I make lots of things, not only olive oil. And the limoncello is homemade and the jams are homemade. And I do private sales because, as you know, I, I cannot live on, on this because I, I have my retirement. And, of course, I am not going to enter the market of, uh, of olive oil at my age. Maybe my kids will do it, but not for me. But, um, but I enjoy it. And this year, because I could not go to Paris, I made expeditions. <laughs> ah. Yes. I sold nearly everything. 
Oh, great. <laughs> well, maybe you won't have to go to Paris from now on. Oh, no, 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 no. Because some of the, <laughs> some of the cans, they arrived in a, in a pitiful condition, you know, they were mm. all with the, no, no, no. I prefer going to Paris because I prefer the social contact and, uh, Sure. Uh, you know, there are lots of friends who are journalists and we don't see each other so much, but we are good friends. So it's an occasion also to socialize, you know, to, so, yeah. Do you, so you, do you drive through, through Corsica and then yes. north to Paris? Yeah. How do you get yeah. there? Oh, okay. I take the ferry boat from Porto Torres to Toulon. Then I stop in Lyon because I have very good friends in Lyon. So I do two stops, uh, one Lyon and then Paris. And then drive all the way back with an empty car, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, good. That's yeah, good. but I like well, you know, I could have been a taxi driver, so <laughs> I don't, I don't care driving. It's okay. Well, you live in a beautiful place, and I, I, I was uh, so nice that I was able to meet you and spend some time with you there, and hopefully, I'll be back again. But thank you so much for joining me today, Paola. So You're I'm welcome. Say Arrivederci. Yeah. Arrivederci. Okay. And I will I'm really longing to see you and uh, some of your friends here back again. I hope to be there next September. We'll see what happens. I will but be there. Until then, until then, Arrivederci. I will be there. Bye. Stay safe. Bye bye. Well, that's it for this episode of Italy Inside Out. This podcast is sponsored by Travel in Italia, leading small group tours on the mainland and islands of Italy. You can find more information at www.travelinitalia.com. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe to this podcast. And until next time, arrivederci.